but it is a message that is uh, towards all of us because it is the Word of God. And, and um, we've been studying encounters with Jesus and where Jesus had everyday encounters with people like you and me. And I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 4, and we're going to learn from an amazing story, and this is the story of the woman at the well. And to the men, I want to say to you, after this message, uh, that you will walk out of this house with great hope in your heart. And this message I entitled, A Well of Difference. But before we read that and before we move on, I'd like to uh, share with you, uh, it's a perfect husband, and uh, this is so we can uh, be happy about this. This is towards the men. And then I got another little story uh, for the ladies. There are several men in the locker room of a private club after exercising. Suddenly a cell phone that was on one of the benches rings a man picks it up, and the following conversation ensues. Hello? Honey, it's me. Sugar. Are you at the club? Yes. Great. I am at the mall two blocks from where you are, and I saw a beautiful mink coat. It's absolutely gorgeous. Can I buy it? What's the price, he asked. Only $1,500. Well, okay, go ahead and get it if you like it that much. Oh, honey, that, that's so nice. I also stopped by the Mercedes dealership and saw that 2019 model we've been looking at. I saw one I really liked. I spoke with the salesman, and he gave me a really good price. And since we need to exchange the BMW that we bought last year, well, what price did he quote you? Only $60,000. Okay, but for that price, I want you to ask for all the options. Great. Before we hang up, something else though, honey. What? It might look like a lot, but I was reconciling your bank account, and I stopped by the real estate agent this morning, and I saw the house we had looked at last year. It's on sale, honey. Remember, the one with a pool, English garden, beachfront property? How much are they asking? He asked. Only $1 million. It's a magnificent price. And I see that we have that much in the bank to cover it, honey. Well, then go ahead and buy it. But just bid $950,000. Okay, sweetie. Thanks. I'll see you later. I love you. Bye. I do too. The man hangs up and raises his hand while holding the phone and asks to all who's present, does anyone know whose phone this is? <laughs> I would love to do that. And this is called Expectant Fathers. Four expectant fathers were in Minneapolis hospital waiting room while their wives were in labor. The nurse arrived and announced to the first man, congratulations, sir, you're the father of twins. What a coincidence, the man said with some obvious pride. I work for the Minnesota Twins baseball team. 
Wow, that's really incredible coincidence, he answered. I worked for the 3M Corporation because he just found out he got triplets. An hour later, while the other two men were passing cigars around, the nurse came back. This time, she turned to the third man who had been quiet in the corner. <laughs> she announced that his wife had given birth to quadruplets. Stunned, he barely could reply. Don't tell me another coincidence, asked the nurse. After finally regaining his composure, he said, I don't believe it. I work for Four Seasons Hotel. After hearing this, everybody's attention turned to the fourth guy who had just fainted and fell flat on the floor. The nurse rushed to his aid, and after some time, he slowly gained back his consciousness. When he finally was able to speak, you could hear him whispering repeatedly the same phrase over and over and over again. I should have never taken that job at 7-Up. Praise the Lord. Happy Father's Day. John chapter 4 is a story of the woman at the well. And it's kind of funny when you're speaking uh, more towards the men that you would talk about a woman at a well. But I want to tell you that what we learn from this contact that Jesus had with this woman will absolutely transform every one of your thinking men and fathers. The story begins with Jesus propped up against a well, and the disciples are out standing in line at the nearest in and out to get food. While Jesus is waiting, Jesus meets this woman. Have you ever wondered how this story was written? Because it, it implies that Jesus was alone at the well, and uh, I, I suppose that later on that Jesus told John the story and he wrote it down. But this is a story of a woman's life that was in absolute hopelessness with nothing to live for. And in a matter of minutes meeting Jesus, her whole life was changed. After hearing what Jesus said, it totally transformed her thinking. It ripped her out of hopelessness. It ripped her out of depression. This woman was a woman that was devastated in life and continued to do the same thing, hoping that things would change. But this encounter happened in a town called Sychar, which means town of drunkards. How would you like to be the member of the Chamber of Commerce in Sychar? Come to the town of drunkards. But Sychar had a reputation, and Sychar was, according to the day, in a bad country. Samaria. The Jews despised it because it was a Gentile city. By the way, only poor people or poor women went to this well. And so this woman was not only alone, but she was poor. This was basically what you could kind of see is that it was uh, the poor people Starbucks. It was a place where these women could go and they really had nothing to themselves. They were serving others, but they would get together and they would be able to talk. 
It was a place where they could meet and, and find uh, women as friends. They could be themselves. They could kind of let their hair down and be able to talk about things. But I believe this woman went at noon because the Bible tells us that. It tells us the time frame. It's amazing how the Bible is so particular and we, we, don't, we don't see uh, why the Bible is saying things like this. So I believe this woman went at noon time to escape the glares and the judgments of others. We call that shame, but we understand in the last few messages that shame is not about our past when we serve Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So she had been married five times, this woman, and on that day she was living with a man that was not her husband. This woman was the subject of all the rumors, and when she walked down the street, people would talk about her. So here is her identity of herself. Men, I'm, I'm talking with you. When she walked up to Jesus, she was at the lowest part of her life. She was insecure, and she felt worthless. Basically, I'm, I'm wearing my cowboy boots today, but basically she was a Shetland pony in a John Wayne movie. That's kind of how that she felt about herself. She felt small. She felt little. She felt like everything that she tried to do, it was not taking place. So in this story, I want to show you three things we are supposed to learn today and walk out of here as a different person. First of all, we need to understand, because of the way the Scripture described the story, that Jesus, who is God, understands timing. The Bible in John 4, 4 says, but he needed to go through Samaria. They were going to Judea from Galilee, and by the way, they were going to go through Samaria. Verse 5, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. So let me continue to paint you uh, the picture of this story. See, going through Samaria was the shortest route. But many Jews, when they would travel from, from Galilee to Judea, Judea to Galilee, they would go around Sychar. They would go around Samaria to avoid the situation and the things that they despised so much. But notice, Jesus told John, who wrote about the encounter, that he needed to go through Samaria that day. Why? Just because he felt like going through there? Because he hadn't been there before? Maybe he was trying to prove something to everybody else that you, you can't have prejudice, you can't have this or whatever, and just to have everybody like him. No, there was a reason why Jesus, there was a perfect timing that Jesus had in his life. God sets things up, and what God plans comes to pass. He also had to go by himself to the well. Think of all the details that needed to be worked out for this particular encounter to happen. The timing, 
of the encounter. Men, nothing happens by chance with God. Proverbs 16.33 says this. This is really interesting what it says. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. It's literally saying, you may cast the dice, but it's the Lord that determines how they fall. See, I believe in this story, someone stopped criticizing this woman and began to pray. That's why the enemy is constantly trying to stop you men from being in prayer. When we announce prayer, many women will just jump out and come to prayer, but there are a few men that will want to come to prayer. Because we're insecure, we're, we're you know, always, you're, you're up there in the front, you're there in your glass house as a father, as a man, and everybody's looking at you and in many times wants to criticize you and to make you feel insecure. And that's why many instances that we don't even want to go to prayer because then we're told how we need to pray. But we want to pray the way we know that we can get close to the Lord. Someone stopped criticizing and someone began to pray. So put yourself in this situation. How about if you began to pray for this woman after her first marriage fell apart? Then as you were praying for her, the second marriage fell apart. As you continue to pray for her, the third marriage fell apart. You're still praying the fourth, the fifth one. And now she is living like with a man and has given up the idea of marriage. She's finally decided, you know what, marriage is not for me. Marriage is not real. Marriage doesn't work. Speaking of relationships. And you're the person who has been praying for this woman. You know what that make you feel like? Just to stop praying. No. I'm kidding. Don't stop praying. I believe most of us would have already given up. But here's truly what I'm trying to bring to you. I believe most of us give up because God is not following our timeline. We, we have made a decision when we pray, this is what needs to happen right away. This is what needs to go on. And a lot of times, uh, because of that, we give up praying. And because of that, we give up on what we knew that God said we are to do. We run around like a chicken with our head cut off, trying to figure out this is what God is saying. We get so spiritual, but we're spiritually blind. And we're not seeing the truth that God has really said to us, and God has already said it to us. He said it to us over and over and over and over. Why? Because God has a timeline. God has a specific time for things to take place. When Jesus said, I must go through Samaria, he went through Samaria because he knew there was a time frame that he had to be at this well to meet this woman and to change her life because I believe, again, someone was praying for her. Yet God sees things from the beginning and the end, and Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. So most of us, you know, were born again, 
And the reason why we're born again, because we understand eternity, that we're going to live in eternity, either in heaven or in hell, and we wanted to serve God. So we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But there's a lot more to that because God says, there's eternity, but I have a timeline. There's eternity, but I have plans for you, and my purposes for you are real. And we cannot run from what God's timeline is. We know we have a short time on this earth, but in this short time, God has perfectly planned our life. And continue verse 11, it says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end, God's plans. Because there's so much responsibility on you men, on you fathers, and there's so many things of going to work and all the different things that you do, and making decisions and fixing things and doing all that, many times the eyes are on you. And the consistent thing that a lot of us men do is that we begin to look at ourselves and our failures and our weaknesses, and we begin to look into our own selves and what we can do and what we can't do, and we almost forget that there is a God that has planned our life. Even though we are born again and our eyes have been delivered from spiritual blindness, we cannot see the whole scope from beginning to the end. Romans 5, 6 says this, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died at the perfect time. Think with me. Just really just stop and think. All the series of events that had to happen so you would choose to be born again. The people who witnessed to you, the messages that you heard, the encounters you had with people. Think about when you met your spouse. The different things that, that created Sometimes some of you, uh, you know, were born in other nations and you came to America, and here you are, and you're married, and you met your spouse. Think of that. You know, that we think, oh, wow, that's really cool. You, My parents decided, no, God had a plan for you. And in his perfect timing, this took place. Matter of fact, to show you how great our God is, he can even out of dark times and out of sinful times bring people together because he knows in his perfect timing, that there were things that are going to take place that you are going to choose to serve him because he knows all things. Terry and I have friends who together, as they got married, have been very, very successful pastors. And he met her in a strip club, and she was the dancer. Now, guys, God doesn't lead you there. But they got born again, and they fulfilled their call in their life. God's perfect timing. What about the place that you live in? What about the job that you have? God does not have a general plan for our life. He has a detailed minute-by-minute -minute time and or plan for our lives. We have to recognize in this is that God is a God that has set things in, in course. 
and what we are, when we begin to see spiritually and hear spiritually, we begin to hear the timeline of our life, and we begin to walk in an anointing that God has called us into, and because of that, because we're in God's timeline, that we begin to walk in great successes. Our lack of successes is because we're on our own timeline. Let's say it this way. Jesus is concerned about every minute, not just years or seasons, even though we have seasons, but he's concerned about you of every minute. God sees around the corners of your life better than you do. He sees over the the hill better than we do. He understands timing, and timing is critical. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. See, at the right time, your God will bring everything together in the authority of Christ. We have to walk in faith. We have to walk in that timeline. Verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together and want all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. A timeline. Are you on that? Or are you on your own? You know what that scripture just told us? There will be no unfinished business in the end. I want you to hear that. There will be no unfinished business in the end. When all is said and done, all will be said and done with God. Your victory comes, men, when you recognize, when you pray in accordance to God's will, his word, All will be brought under the authority of Jesus Christ in the end. Quit worrying about the unfinished businesses. Quit worrying about the unfinished business of life. Quit worrying about all unanswered prayers. Everything will be brought under the authority of Christ. As you stand in faith, as you stand in the word of God, and you begin to proclaim God's word, and you begin to speak out of your mouth that came from your heart, that Jesus Christ's word is truth, and what you prayed, what he promised, will come to pass. But it may not come to pass on your timeline. But it comes to pass on his And again, we run around, run around, men. We run around. We try to fix it. We try to make things work. And you got everybody saying, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And we look around, and we get nervous about it, and we run around, run around, run around. And after a while, we just say, you know what the heck with it. 
That's what you find a lot of men. A lot of men will, will just literally just scatter because after a while they're just tired of it. And all there was was that they allowed the pressures of life to steer them off God's timeline. Again, everything will be brought under the authority of Christ. Here's the second thing about this story, this woman at the well, that Jesus perfectly timed it out to meet that woman. She didn't get there when all the other women got there. She got there later, but he got there at the exact time because God knows all things. Jesus understands our need for purpose. In John 4.10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water. This woman had been seeking fulfillment in relationships. She was seeking fulfillment in a man. She had, had six and not found the joy that she was looking for. She was searching and running after something. Everybody on this earth is running after something. But when they search with no purpose, with no understanding of timeline, that they run around and they're constantly frustrated and not fulfilled. All of us are running after that source that fulfills. So here's my point. You either have found it or you haven't. You either found it through Jesus or you either found it through success, pleasure, popularity, or security. But here's the analogy. This is what I want us to see. Whatever well you are dropping your bucket in, you either drop two types of water. The first, dropping your bucket for Jesus, you drop a water that gives you eternal life. A perpetual spring that always is in you and always is a fulfilling water. What is that? Being born again, being filled with the Spirit, reading the Word, knowing the Word of God, walking in the Word of God, walking in His timeline. And when it seems like it's not working, it's working. When it seems like it's not going to happen, oh, it's going to happen because God said it. He's not a liar. But we choose to be outside of the timeline. Or, man, you are bringing up a bucket that has holes in the bottom. If you choose that one, you have to drop the bucket every day to find something to fulfill you. This woman had not found her fulfillment. You know, by the way, every person in this room need purpose that we give our passions to. If you don't have a reason why you get up, you will not have any passion. If you do not understand the very essence of how important you are in the kingdom of God, you will not have passion. 
If you really don't understand that everywhere you go, there's purpose, there's a reason why you are there. There's a reason why you are in that place. And you are there, why? Because you are the one that's favored of the Lord. You are the one, if you're following the word of God, you are the one that has the answer for that person that is digging in their own well and not finding fulfillment. You are the child of God. You're the son and daughter of God that can do great things. You're the one that can lead people to Christ. You're the one that can change things in your, in your company. You're the one that can change things in the marketplace. It's you that, that God has called to do it. God has set up a timeline for you to be the blessing, not just to be blessed. The Bible tells us she dropped her bucket past, her past, and ran into the city, her purpose and identity that only Jesus can give. You see, as I was, I was studying this and I was looking at this, I, I began to realize the very reason why she ran into the city is because she finally had reason to live. She finally had reason to do what she's called to do in spite of all the stuff and all the shame and all the past because she finally realized that the drink that she took with Jesus caused her no longer to have past shame. And she ran with joy to the very place where they would talk down about her. You see, that's a big difference when someone really realizes that we are on God's timeline and that we are walking according to the leading of the Holy Spirit is that no matter what takes place, if someone is cruel and mean, that we're no longer a victim. We're victorious because we don't allow other people to destroy the very purpose that we know in our heart that God has called us to. You are amazing people. I, I, I would like to just grab every one of you, tie up and browbeat you for about 10 years. You are important. You are special in the kingdom of God. Men, fathers, you are so vital. Even if all your children have rejected you, maybe because in your past that is forgotten, that maybe you did things that you shouldn't have done. But today's a new day. Get back on that timeline. You can't make other people act the way they're supposed to act, but you sure can act the way you're supposed to act. Amen? Amen. Men, do you not understand being a father and being a man what it is? And I understand that, that you know, in many instances, you will take hits for your family. You'll take hits for the situation in your life. Why didn't you fix this? Why didn't you? Why did you allow that to happen? But I want to tell you, maybe it's because y'all, your whole family got off the timeline. But get back on yours and allow the favor of the Lord to bless your whole family. Even if your children are astray, even if your wife is bitter and angry, men, I want you to understand Live your life on God's timeline, not on people's timeline. So that's what this woman did. She had five husbands and was living with another guy.
but she ran with purpose because things have changed. She has a, a present life that's fulfilling, that knowing that your future is secure. My future is secure because I stay in God's timeline. By the way, your prophetic picture of your purpose is about people. Do you know that? Because Jesus, we learn this in this series, that it's all about people. Everything that Jesus did was about people. She met the Messiah, loved God, and her first thought was, I need to go back to my village, and, and there are people there that need to meet him. The first thing she thought was, you got to meet this guy. He knew my life, and, and listen, listen, I got purpose. I got joy in my life. And she probably even said, I don't need you, man. I need Christ. And then from that healing, she could understand relationship. And then God's perfect timing would bring someone in her life. But she knew it wasn't the man that brought her fulfillment. It was God. And through that fulfillment, she could be a blessing to a man helping him attain what God's called him to do. The Bible says to love God and love your neighbor in Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I read this quote about a year ago, and I wrote it down, and I pulled it up um, to put it in this message. Let me read you this quote. Life is not a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, Lord, what a ride. Now, that's not doctrinally true. But see, that's what, what I'm saying, is we, we're always wanting the safe side of everything. And when we try to get to the safe side of everything, we miss God's plan. Because sometimes God will take you into the wilderness Sometimes you'll be tested. Sometimes there will be things that will be there and, and, and you just keep doing the same thing expecting something different to happen. When God says, no, I'm taking you here because I want to raise your understanding of how anointed you are and how special you are. We're talking about the woman at the well, but men, I'm talking about you. And I'm saying to you guys is that we have to get to a place in our life is that that is what God says that matters to us. And it's not being evil. It's not being rude to other people because they're not on the same timeline. But you love people. You love God and you love people. But in the, in, in the process of living your life, you're on God's timeline. Here is the third thing we are supposed to get from this story of the woman at the well. Jesus understands our need for hope. I love that song the worship team sang. Our need for hope. 
in John 4, verse 10 through 14. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And that's natural knowledge. That is natural thinking, wisdom of man, the knowledge of man. That you, if you're always drinking from the knowledge of man and what man says, what man says you need to be, and it just cracks me up all the time, you, you look at blogs, you look at news, you watch news, whatever, and this is what the people need. And this is what the people want. How do you know? You don't know me. Amen. And what I'm saying to you, Jesus said, but if you will take of this living water, salvation, and walking in the anointing of the word of God and understanding scripture, you will begin to walk in such pure wisdom and knowledge that no matter what the enemy tries to do, he cannot deceive you. And then when you walk in your life, you will find favor, even in the midst of of tribulation because you are a man after God's own heart being after God's own heart is a man that understands God knows who he is and because you know who he is you become like that and because you become like that your actions follow after who you've become God is still offering you hope and let me tell you, there is a difference between hope and wishing. Wishing is, I want a new bike. I want that Mercedes Benz. Hope is this. Hope is trusting God for the future because you are convinced the future belongs to the Lord and he will be with you on that journey. You are convinced you know where that's found? It's found in the secret place. A place where you worship and you spend time with him. It's a place where you spend time with God and you move into such a realm with God. You, you speak things of God. And not that you're walking around. You know, it's kind of hard, guys, when you're out there in the shop and all of a sudden, you know, uh, someone says something, say, well, you know, God is always God, and he, you know, and all the men are looking at you like, what? You know, it's kind of hard to be that and to do that. And you know what? And sometimes, sometimes we're so spiritually minded, we're no earthly good. That every one of our answers is all mixed up in religion. It's about church, it's about this, about that, about this. No, no, no. Let's get to the place where we are led of God. And there are times that we are to speak godly, spiritual things in the midst of ungodly people. And there are times that we are to back away and pray and wait for God's timing to say it. And I have seen many come to the saving knowledge of God 
because sometimes I'm, I'm talking to men, so I'm going to say it like this, that I just shut up sometimes and I wait on the Lord. That secret place. It's more about his presence in the journey than the destination. We get so caught up in the fixing. We get so caught up in where we're going, what we're doing, what we have. And we're not caught up in the presence of God. I think it was King David that says, I'd rather spend, spend a thousand, you know, I'd rather spend a day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand years with man. Amen? His blessing will overtake you when you do this. His favor is upon you. He is for you and not against you. That's hope. God is for you. Well, you know, it's, it's how it is. It's how the economy is. It's how, it's how relationships are. Well, you know how it is in the neighborhood. Well, you know, it's how it is with cars. They're always breaking down. House is always breaking. Really? Man, you need a depression pill. You know what that is? It's called the Word of God and faith. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Matthew 28, 20 says this, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. God's promises give you hope. Let your mouth be filled with that. And if you have struggle with memorizing, don't use that as an excuse. Google it. What scripture brings hope? It'll tell you. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7, we'll close with this. And then I want to pray for you men. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God's perfect timing went to the well and met this woman and in that few minutes that Jesus was with her, transformed her life. It removed her past shame and gave her purpose. And then from there, she even stated from the very beginning, she said, I want you to meet a man that gave me hope. 
Men, I want you to meet a man, even though you know him. I want you to meet him in a closer, more intimate way that will give you that hope. He's given you purpose. He's got that perfect timeline. Some of you are wishing, stop wishing. Some of you are praying, keep praying. But don't pray under your timeline. Let not your faith be built upon your timeline, but let your faith be built on the trust that in the end, in him, under Christ, it will come to pass. Your prayers will be answered. Men, I'm going to ask you, all men, even if you're not a father, if you'd please stand. I got a gift for you when you leave to the men, and they're little flashlights. And the little flashlights are going to be flashlights that I want you to remember. Every time that you look at it, every time you see that bright light, let it remind you that in Christ, all things will come to pass. If you will get back on Christ's timeline, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the men of this church, godly, amazing men that have faced tribulation, that have faced judgment, but are still, they rise up early in the morning and they come to church because they want to worship you. They want to be on that timeline. And I proclaim in Jesus' name that that is a done deal. Lord, I thank you that as we talked about the healing of the blind man, that the spiritual eyes are open, the spiritual ears are, are open. They may understand who they are in Christ. They may understand the road that they are walking on. And when they have decisions in their homes, decisions with their children and their grandchildren, Father, I thank you that they have absolute revelation of what you have said, what you have promised. And I proclaim this now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for my brothers. Oh, Lord, I respect them highly. I respect who they are. Many of them are out in the marketplace facing the challenges of so many different things. And Lord, I pray a blessing over them that you would heal their heart if there is devastation that has happened through the years. That emotional health would just become such a strength in their heart. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings. God, Lord, I ask that you would challenge our men to go deep with you. It is a deep well, but when you go deep with God, men, <laughs> oh, it will fulfill every second of your day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to say, everyone go ahead and look at me. I'm going to say, so be it. Because a lot of times when we say amen, that's like an end to a lot of people. 
But I'm going to say that my prayers and the words that I spoke are going to be a continuing thing, a reminder to every one of you men. And then you will see God's plan manifest. You might even be in an old, old age on your last breath and you're thinking there's something not going to happen that you've been believing God for you. I promise you, God's not a liar. If you stay the course, everything that God places in your heart will come to pass. I I, I don't think we really understand that. So I'm going to say it another way. When you take your last breath, the furthest thought you should have is, God, I didn't finish my race well. It should be, I finished my race well. I walked in your timeline. I believed you. I walked in faith in the midst of tribulation. I had joy in the midst of my tribulation. And so now I go to be with you knowing that you are God, that everything under Christ will come to pass. It's real, guys. No matter how young you are, how old you are, no matter how many years you have left, (laughs) God's going to do some great stuff. Just get on that timeline. Well, ladies, if you could stand with us. Men, sign up. 